thank you so much, fellow teachers, for tuning in to the second episode of my third season. And in this podcast season, we are focusing on incorporating SEL into the school day. Now, last time we chatted about how to use picture books to teach social and emotional skills. In this episode, we are going to expand these lessons into community circles. We'll chat about the differences and similarities between morning meetings and community circles, as well as discuss how to tie SEL into either activity. Let's get started. And again, thanks for being here. I'd like to start with a quote from Clifton Talbert. Taking the time to build community to get to know your people will have long lasting benefits. Now this quote definitely is applicable to the classroom. And even though SEL sometimes feels like a love-hate relationship, I definitely understand its importance. As educators, our ultimate goal is to help our students become kind, well-rounded human beings who will benefit our future society. This means that SEL should make up at least part of our curriculum. The reason I have a tough time with this is that there's simply too much to teach in a day. Anyone feel the same? Between the pullouts and the never-ending list of standards, it is very difficult to find the time to add anything to our day. This is why I like to combine subject matter or activities and get the most bang for my buck, if you will. For SEL at the start of the year, I teach mini lessons based on my favorite picture books. These mini lessons act as our language arts curriculum. Now you can read or listen to more of it on my blog or on the previous episode. But during these lessons, I use thinking maps, whole classroom discussions, and even answer a few writing prompts. But after those first two weeks are over, what can you do the rest of the year? After all, SEL should be an integral part of the whole year, not just the first couple of weeks. And this is where community circles come into play. Morning meeting, which is another great activity to build classroom community, is very similar to community circles. And in this podcast episode, we'll discuss the difference between the two activities, the similarities, and how you can incorporate SEL into either one of them. The first question on your mind might be, how do you run a community circle? And first, let me just say that in upper grade, I always have students in charge of community circles and morning meetings. Honestly, I would even do this in primary grades. I would just spend more time modeling it first. This is where you get student buy-in. At the start of the day during our morning routine, the student in charge of community circles looks through our box of sharing questions and chooses two of them to display on the whiteboard. This way the class knows what we will be sharing that day. As far as choosing who is in charge of community circles, you can have it be one of your classroom jobs. I typically have either the teacher's assistant or even a separate morning meeting manager run community circles. And honestly, this ends up being one of the most popular jobs. 
so many kids apply for it because they love running these meetings. Alternatively, you could take turns. Depending on how many students want a turn, you could rotate through students every other day, every week, or every month. The choice is yours. Once it is time for your community circle, the student in charge dismisses the rest of the class to sit in the meeting area. Now beforehand, make sure to have a designated place either in or outside your classroom for your meeting area. The student in charge then shares the first question and reminds the class of the rules and expectations. I always allow 30 seconds of think time before sharing begins, and I recommend using a time song to help manage this time. Now, if you wanna learn more about how I use time music in my classroom or what morning routine looks like, make sure to check out the podcast episode where I go through the 10 must-do procedures for any classroom. After 30 seconds of think time, every student takes a turn answering that first sharing question and remind students to keep it short. They are answering in a short sentence rather than sharing their entire life story. Although it would be wonderful for every student to say as much as they wanted, it simply isn't feasible when you have 30 plus kids in your class. It is, of course, your choice how much time you can allot for sharing, but for me, I usually remind students to keep it brief. After everyone shares, you repeat the process with a second or even a third sharing question. Now, the next question on your mind might be, what is the difference between morning meeting and community circles? Let me just say that these two activities are very similar, especially when comparing their goals. They both are used to build classroom community and are the perfect way to teach SEL throughout the year. The main difference is in their procedures. Morning meetings typically incorporate games and some kind of message from the teacher. Teachers often also use morning meetings to go over the daily schedule and or objectives. Community circles, however, just focus on the sharing aspect of morning meetings. They can also lend themselves to restorative circles once students are comfortable with the routine. Since this blog post is primarily focused on community circles, I want to take a moment to at least mention the four steps of a typical morning meeting. That way, you can combine these two ideas into one should you wish to do so. The four traditional steps of morning meeting are morning message, greeting, sharing, and activity. Now, the morning message can be done at the beginning, end, or even middle of the morning meeting, depending on the activity for the day. During morning message, the teacher shares the daily schedule and or objectives, and typically this message is written, which allows for some editing and revising mini lessons. Depending on your grade level, you may want to demonstrate proper grammar and write the message in front of your class. Ending marks, capital letters, adjectives, the possibilities are endless. Another idea is to share an inspirational quote. And this quote could be chosen either by the teacher or the student in charge of the meeting. The second part of morning meeting is the greeting. And this is where students take turns quickly greeting each other, 
whether by saying an adjective to describe themselves or perhaps good morning in a different language. Now, the last idea I shared is especially beneficial for EL students. It's so nice to give them opportunities to speak and share their home languages. There are a million ways to greet each other, and those are just two examples, but honestly, the possibilities, again, are endless. Sharing is the next step, and this is almost identical to community circles, so I'm going to go over this step in just a few minutes. The last is an activity, and this is some kind of fun game that encourages collaboration and teamwork. One example of a quick activity is having the class line up in order of their birthdays, but they're not allowed to say anything. This game would also be a great way to teach nonverbal communication, and plus, students absolutely love it. Now that brings us to our main topic for this episode. How can I incorporate SEL into community circles? The trick is to build SEL into your circles over time. You do not want to start with heavy, deep questions before your students get the chance to know and trust each other. You want to create a safe, welcoming space before digging deep into personal questions. For my classroom, I look at community circles as a three-step process that encompasses the first half of the school year. My goal is that my students are ready to really dig into deep questions by the time we return from winter break. For the first month or so, I use community circles as a way for my students to simply get to know each other. It is also a way for them to get to know me as I am an active participant in this activity. This is the time when you teach routines and expectations regarding community circles. And here are a few guidelines that you can teach your students during this first step in the process. First, everyone shares and participates during this time. Now, any student is allowed to pass, but they are strongly encouraged to share at the end after the other students have taken their turns. Now, please note that I do not believe in forcing students to share. I want them to be comfortable, but I do believe in setting the expectation that everyone will at some point participate. The next expectation is that this is a safe space and a judgment-free zone. It is essential to teach students to be open to others' opinions, even if they are different than their own. And I highly recommend teaching students how to respectfully listen and disagree before starting these community circles. The next expectation is that all participants must actively listen, showing respect at all times. In my class, we actually practice nonverbal ways of showing respect and listening. For example, nodding occasionally when someone is speaking, facing the speaker with a calm body, not fidgeting, and so on. And the last norm or expectation is that only one speaker is allowed to share at a time. 
and make sure to have some kind of talking stick or stuffed animal that indicates who is speaking. For me, I cut and laminate the sharing questions themselves, and we use that as the talking stick. Now, if you're looking for some ideas on questions, please make sure to check out my blog, learninginprogress.com, for a freebie that you can use during your community circles. Now that your students are comfortable with each other, we can start incorporating some SEL lessons into our community circles. I start by tying our sharing questions to the lessons that I taught at the beginning of the school year. These mini lessons are connected to picture books and can easily be revisited throughout the year. If you're looking for these lessons or suggestions on picture books, make sure to check out my previous podcast episode because I go through all of that with you. Now, the reason I begin with these questions is that the students already have some background knowledge. The read-alouds, book activities, and classroom discussions provide the students a starting point. Now, if you're again, if you're looking for those book activities or picture book suggestions, check out my blog because I actually have a freebie there as well. I want to share a few sharing questions with you that directly connect with the picture books in my blog post that I mentioned just a moment ago. The first book is The Day You Begin, and some questions connected to that are, when have you ever felt a little different, and how did you feel? What could you do to help someone else feel included? Another book is The Magical Yet, and some sharing questions are, name one short-term and one long-term goal for the year. Name a time you overcame a challenge. Why is having a positive attitude critical to our success? And what can you do to make progress towards a goal today? Another bird is song, or excuse me, another book is Songbird. And some questions are, what is your biggest dream? What do you want to do when you grow up? How can you accomplish your goals? How can you support someone while they try to accomplish their goals? And how can you be a supportive classmate? Another great back-to-school book is Listen, and here are some possible sharing questions. What does it mean to actively listen? How can we show we are listening? And why is listening an important skill in class or when building friendships? And last but not least, probably my favorite back-to-school book is After the Fall. It's basically the story of what happened to Humpty Dumpty after he fell off the wall. I like to ask my students questions like, how do you feel when you make a mistake? What can you do after making a mistake? Discuss a time you learned from a mistake and why are mistakes learning opportunities? And that brings us to our final step in this process, which is digging deep. As mentioned earlier, community circles can lend themselves to restorative justice. Now, this could be a completely separate podcast episode, but I do think it is definitely worth at least a brief introduction in this one. The why for restorative justice is simple. Everyone makes mistakes. Now, granted, some mistakes are bigger and more impactful than others, 
but they are still mistakes. And this is especially true for kids. I once saw a video that really resonated with me. It stated that when a child does not know how to add, we teach them. If a child does not know how to ride a bike or swim, we teach them. But when a child does not know how to behave or respectfully communicate, do we teach them or do we punish them? Unfortunately, the last question is not as easy to answer as the previous ones. As adults, we need to realize that being kind and respectful does not occur naturally. Humans are not born with those skills. They need to be taught. Cue restorative circles. When a child makes a mistake, teach the child how to fix it rather than just assigning a consequence. Now, side note here, although I'm an advocate for restorative justice, I'm not completely against consequences. Consequences are a part of life. Adults have them too. And I believe children should learn that their actions sometimes have negative results. However, I do think that consequences should not make up the sum of behavior management. Let's say that a group of students gets into an argument at recess. Rather than punishing the entire group and taking away their recess tomorrow, get them together and run a restorative circle. They each get a turn to state how they were feeling in the moment. As the teacher asks guiding questions such as how their emotions affected their actions, or did they raise their voices? Did they show their anger in a negative way that upset those around them? After everyone involved has a turn to share, ask the students to think about what they could have done to help the situation rather than escalate it. Please note that this takes practice. Be patient with yourself and with your students. However, I do assure you that if you practice this repeatedly, your students will be better for it. By the end of the year, they will be better at conflict resolution, which is an important lifelong skill. Having listened to this episode, I hope that you are feeling confident in using community circles as a way to tie in SEL into your classroom routine. If you haven't done so already, make sure to download the freebie resources that go along with this episode. They are available on my blog at learningandprogress.com. I can't emphasize enough how grateful I am to be surrounded by such an inspiring group of educators. I truly appreciate you tuning in today, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Our next season will focus on differentiated learning, how to make literacy centers manageable and engaging. I hope to see you then.